0: bum bum ba bum 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 bam ba bam bum bum bam ba bam bum bum bam ba bam bum bam bum ba bum 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 ba bum 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 ba bum 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 ba bum 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 You are now in session with the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. I'm Lisa Gullickson.
1: I'm Brad Gullickson. <laughs> and
0: each month we evaluate a different iconic romance within the four color realm. In this episode, we are now a tag team. We can't only attack our adversaries one at a time, we have to utilize our combined skills together. That means working on our tandem movesets that can devastate our opponents in our creator corner. Oh okay, Brad, yeah. okay, Brad, climb up on my shoulders. Yeah, you're... Okay, now I'm gonna I'm gonna slam you into the... I don't think that's a tandem moveset. I don't know enough.
1: Sword sunrise, Lisa. We can pull it off.
0: We are talking to Daniel Warren Johnson about Do a Powerbomb from Image Comics.
1: Snap into a Slim Jim.
0: <laughs> that's all I know about wrestling. <laughs> that's all I
1: know that's about wrestling. That's not true. I've
0: learned a lot. From Daniel Warren Johnson. I
1: dabbled in wrestling as a child because of the NES uh, WWF game, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I loved playing as Bam Bam Bigelow. But that is the extent of my wrestling knowledge. Which I think makes us for an interesting point of view on Do a Powerbomb.
0: I mean, I was a kid in the 90s. I knew that wrestling was happening. Like I could recognize on-site Hulk Hogan. Sure. But, like, for me, it's like, uh, do you remember in the early aughts when, like, poker was on television all of the time? Like, it's just, like, one of those anomalies where there's just, like, there's nothing else really like wrestling on TV. Like, to me, the closest thing is, like, magicians, Mm -hmm. where there are, like, some magicians who are, like, we're doing tricks, and isn't that fun and funny? We've really honed these skills. And there are other magicians who are, like guess what, I am magical. Right. And I will never admit to not being a magical person because I am David Blaine.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Um, That commitment to teetering on the edge of reality and not reality is just like so like freaking fascinating to me and I never really thought about it until reading Do a Powerbomb and now it's all I wanna talk about.
1: Yeah, I uh, am right there with you. I think uh, Daniel Warren Johnson as a creator in the last couple of years has helped me really engage with the concept of wrestling and also, you know, we have a friend, Jason Ayers, who Mm -hmm. is a ref for the WWE.
0: Hopefully he's listening because we love him.
1: And in his conversations with us, you know, he invited us to a championship match, I think. I don't know if it was a championship match. I don't know how He invited us to a match in Baltimore and we attended that match and we had a great time being there as sort of like interlopers. (laughs) It was
0: funny because it was like, there were people in the ring pretending to wrestle like it's definitely not supposed to be a thing that is watched from the stadium really cuz it just it it really brings out the like the circus act of it all i mean but, that's
1: how you felt but i mean clearly that's not how everybody felt well, that's in the, the theater thing. with us so or the, the, the ring with us but theaters a good the word the people
0: the people in the ring were pretending to wrestle and i felt like i was pretending to be like a fan of wrestling, and it was intoxicating. It is one of the most bizarre and fun things I've ever done. Yeah,
1: and so with like do a powerbomb, you could call it a wrestling comic, but I also feel like that doesn't really, That, that's not necessarily how I approach the comic either. Like, if you, if you see it, if you're, okay, this is this is what I'm trying to say. If you're a person who's like, well, I'm not really into wrestling. Do a Powerbomb It's clearly a wrestling comic. I'm not going to engage with it. I would say, it's not a wrestling comic. It is a wrestling comic, but it's also not a wrestling comic. It's a comic like every other Daniel Warren Johnson comic, where it pulls you in with some really rad, awesome action and these visually... Uh, powerful and kinetic images and then it 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 reveals a profound heart
0: i think that i i am like an advocate for like daniel is not into any of the things i'm into at all like to me i've never been into metal i've like i like i dabbled in punk when i was like a teenager but i did like one day i was just like actually i don't think i like yelling um (laughs) (laughs) and like I I've never been curious about professional wrestling. I've always been kind of dismissive and creeped out by it for some reason. But I love Daniel Warren Johnson's comics because I love the conversations. That he wants to have, because they're the conversations that I want to have.
1: Yeah, Murder Falcon has reduced you to a puddle. Uh, Do a power bomb has reduced you to a puddle. Uh, Wonder Woman, Dead Earth, uh, Beta Ray Bill, like every Danny Warren Johnson comic has affected you deeply and has affected me deeply, and it's he's one of the few creators that hits both of us in different ways, but also the same ways. Mm. And we have the same emotional reactions to his comics. Which is weeping. Which is weeping. It, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's
0: cleansing. It's cleansing tears.
1: And we're so excited to have him back on the podcast. He was here last time to talk about Beta Ray Bill. Uh, we do... Talk a little bit more about Beta Ray Bill at the beginning of this conversation. But because this is primarily a do a power bomb episode. And the other thing that's going on in our lives right now is as you're listening to this conversation, Lisa and I are on our way to Seattle to attend the Emerald City Comic Con. And we are entering our own kind of ring And we have some nerves. We're on a panel, Lisa.
0: (laughs) Yes, we are on a panel called Unnecessary Debates. And like part of me feels like I'm setting myself up for like a public humiliation carry (laughs) type moment. If
1: you are in Seattle on Sunday, March 5th, at 345 and 445 at the Emerald City Comic-Con, we will be in room 323, 325. Lisa and I are a team.
0: Thank goodness. And
1: we don't really quite understand what an unnecessary debate is, although I have looked at how that panel went down last year at WonderCon, and it's questions like, who's gonna win in a staring contest, Batman or Cyclops, and then each team Debates their point of view. And so, like, in that case, Lisa, who would you go with? Cyclops or Batman?
0: I would say that it would be Cyclops, but because he's obviously cheating.
1: <laughs> what, okay, so then you would have to, like, continue that thought process. So
0: if Cyclops blinks, he's wearing that visor thing, you'd never see it. And we've seen he's an inherently selfish individual who loves keeping secrets. Yeah,
1: see, there you go, Lisa. You're gonna be so good at unnecessary debates, you do not have to worry about it.
0: I am, my concern is everyone who listens on the reg Uh who are not just Daniel Warren Johnson stans, who are listening for the first time. I have a fear of saying proper nouns. Right. And I have a tendency to freeze up when asked a direct question. But (laughs) as a team,
1: I'll be there to help you. I'll tag team in with those proper nouns. And I'll be like, you mean Scott Summers, Lisa?
0: As a... Woman in the comic book space. It
1: could be. Yeah, you could be. The rough.
0: fear of being pop quizzed and then having my nerd card taken from me by some bro yeah. is like ever present. You
1: can't have your nerd card taken away from you. We're not a gatekeeping community in our little corner of the world. We will resist any kind of conversation like that. I I don't see that happening. I
0: also fear that I might accidentally go into comic book couples counseling mode and then I'll just make sure that everybody on the debate is getting along.
1: I I think that's good. I think (laughs) that's good. I think that's good. I'm really looking forward to it. So again, if you're in Seattle this weekend, please come out and say hello. We will have uh, lots of stickers to give out to and everybody handshakes who wants and them.
0: hugs and high fives. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is our first time going to Seattle. We're really excited about that. Uh, I'm looking forward to making the pilgrimage to the Fanographics Home Store. Yes, oh. highly anticipated. highly anticipated. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Emerald City Comic Con, Comic Book Couples Counseling, a first, a meeting. A debate. We will survive it, Lisa. Not a problem.
0: Please come. Please come. And every time I speak, laugh really hard and maybe applaud and go like, and you can yell out, you can yell out this, she's a genius. That's (laughs) what I'd like to hear. I need those words of affirmation.
1: So do a powerbomb. Getting back to that, uh, released in trade paperback form from Image Comics this Wednesday, March 1st. What's really exciting about it is that it also contains a quote on the back of the book from Comic Book Couples Counseling.
0: Yes, it was from our end of the year best of episode, and Do a Powerbomb was our best comic of 2022.
1: Yeah, link in the show notes to that episode. What I love about that quote is it's not our first quote on a comic book. Uh, But it is our first quote that has been pulled directly from an episode. Yes,
0: audio content.
1: That feels really special and significant and extremely validating, Mm -hmm. right? And especially since it is on our favorite comic from last year, from one of our all-time favorite creators. I I mean, like, looking at it the first time, I I mean, I welled up.
0: I'm, I'm fully cheesed. I love the quote on it so much that I have deemed the back of the book, the front of the yeah.
1: book. Yeah, so pick up that comic book, read it, and then listen to this conversation because like our Dan Slot Silver Surfer conversation, this is a full deep dive into Do a Power Bomb.
0: And you do not want spoilers for this comic. You just don't. It's and so great.
1: We are going to get into all of it and I would feel really awful... If you had the last two issues of Do a Power bomb ruined for you from <laughs> us. So I'm begging you, just read the comic first and then listen to this conversation.
0: That being said, we've been telling you to read this comic for months now. <laughs> Why have you been sleeping on
1: yeah, it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's...
0: Shame, it's, like, shame on you.
1: Uh, I now consider Power Powerbomb my favorite Daniel Warren Johnson comic, mm. and that seems almost impossible considering how much I loved Murder Falcon, but on the reread, preparing for this conversation with Dan, I i mean, I just fell madly in love with this story.
0: He's fully leveling up with each thing he makes.
1: Lisa, do you think we should read like the plot synopsis off the back of the book just in case... There are folks here still are like, well, I'm going to use this conversation to determine whether or not I buy this comic.
0: I think yes, even though like no plot synopsis can fully encapsulate how great this book is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because it is a book that like every two issues reveals like a new layer to the narrative. Yeah. But here is the basic plot synopsis according to Image Comics. Lana Steele Rose wants to be a pro wrestler, but she's living under the shadow of her mother, the best to ever do it. Everything changes when a wrestling-obsessed necromancer asks her to join the grandest pro-wrestling tournament of all time, which is also the most dangerous. It's The Wrestler meets Dragon Ball Z in a tale where the competitors get more than they ever bargained for.
0: Oh, they did the thing when they compare the book to two other things, and in this case, the two other things I have never experienced. I have not watched The Wrestler... Nor have I seen any Dragon Ball Z. Should I be watching Dragon Ball Z right now?
1: Maybe, maybe. I also have never experienced Dragon Ball Z in any form. I've been a little bit curious, but also intimidated. I have seen The Wrestler. I think that's interesting to bring up in comparison with Duo Powerbomb. Not totally feeling it. Like when I was reading it, like the pop culture thing that closely resembled what was going on with the tournament was like Mortal Kombat or Mm. really Enter the Dragon. And that's how I engaged with the idea. But again, like you were saying, Dual Powerbomb is doing something extremely unique and selling it in one little tight paragraph is tough The best thing you can do is just read it. And I would get in that first chapter, that first issue, and I guarantee by the second issue, you're all in. It's impossible to put down after the reveal of the second issue.
0: And the great thing is that you don't have to wait like we did a month at a time to get each issue because the trade is coming out, babies.
1: That was another thing in the rereading experience because we initially read it month after month after month, you know, this long gap between issues, uh, the anticipation, the stress, the the, the the thrill, very, very intense, and here, as like a blitz experience, you're just racing to that climax.
0: Yeah, I feel like in those like intervening weeks of waiting for each issue, that's when the, the doubt would creep in. You go like, this is complete wildness. Can he do it? Can DWJ do it? <laughs> and and we- my friends? He can. He does. And when do I ever doubt
1: bring up that like stress that I had after reading issue six, where I was like, I don't know about this. We talk about that with Dan in this conversation. Uh again, we talk about everything. This is the most in-depth do a powerbomb conversation you're gonna get. This is an exclusive. Listen to it, enjoy it, please share it with your friends. And on that note, let's just get to it. Yeah. Dan, welcome back to Comic Book Couples Counseling. Hello. Hello. It is so good to have you back in the love nest. It
0: feels like it feels like we should just set up a cot <laughs> here in the love nest.
2: I, I, I'm okay <laughs> wa- with that. A
0: wide one for spooning.
2: Oh, okay. So you say love nest. I mean, like, is this what you guys record? Where do you record in your home? Is it in your comic book room? So, well, first off-
0: Every room is a comic book room. Every room
2: is a comic <laughs> book room. Yeah. Uh, so like right
1: now- uh, we're in, uh, we're, we're like right across from our kitchen and our little living room space is behind us. We're in a corner by the exit to our apartment. Okay. And in that corner, we are looking at posters for Robocop, Flash Gordon, two Usagi Yojimbos, the monkey's head, Hell some man. original Stan Sakai art. A painting of William Shatner that Lisa did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, but also the love nest is a metaphor.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Right, 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 right.
0: <laughs> it's whatever, wherever two are more together, there is, there is a love
1: nest. Amen. Uh, Dad, right off the bat, uh, I, I just need to know, are you still thinking about Beta Ray Bill? Has Beta Ray Bill found happiness staring in the mirror?
2: Oh man. You know, every once in a while I'll get a comment from the social medias of someone just really needing to know, hey, does Beta Ray Bill ever actually be happy? <laughs> does he ever become happy? And I'm like, oh gosh. I just don't know. Because honestly, I have not kept up with the Thor universe after, you know, I left Beta Ray Bill. Sure. So I have no idea what's happening. Uh, except for that, you know, in my mind. I'd like to think that after a long journey of, you know, maybe not quite using that sword for what it should be used for, the sword of Sertor, Twilight, that maybe finally he learns who he, he really is. But that might, that's a story for another day. I'm yeah. saving that one just in case I need to pay the bills later. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's interesting. Lisa and I talk about this all the time, but, you know, when a creator that we love leaves a book, we kind of see that character's story end with that creator. Like, even though we have continued to read Thor stories and Beta Ray Bill has popped up in like Guardians of the Galaxy and things like that, uh, like your, the story you were telling, like that ending, that final image, uh, loose spoilers for Beta Ray Bill as written by Daniel Warren Johnson, uh, but that image of Beta Ray Bill looking at his reflection, and contemplating happiness. Like that feels like a definitive ending, even if it's not technically a definitive ending.
2: And that's exactly what I was going for. And it was important to me to have some reflection in the ending, to have it not necessarily be a period. Um, and people can interpret it how they wish. But it was, uh, I was unsure, honestly, as I was drawing that last page. I was like, I hope this works. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure. Um, but people seem to have really resonated with it, and I'm so happy that's the case.
0: So now it is put on me to awkwardly transition to what we're here to talk about. I
2: had to bring up
1: Beta Ray Bill. Like I the know. Last time we <laughs> talked to Dan, we talked to him just after issue four had come out, so we never really got to discuss that final chapter. I, that's you know, true. I, that's true.
0: I am. I always relate so much to Beta Ray Bill, and like we're all looking in the mirror every stage of life, every transition in our life, there always is this, it's always pointed with this like melancholy of like, um, now the person that I've been is gone. Like that person doesn't yeah. exist anymore. And even though I, I might not have treated that person the best, they were still me and I still loved them, you know? So Yeah. Um but now. Now I'm transitioning. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> and to do a power bomb in that first issue, you started with um Letting your readers know that you discovered pro wrestling at such a critical time in your life when you're a new dad and your entire like I see it as a time of like your entire identity is been is being like broken apart and and rebuilt from the inside. And it and it's kind of like a second puberty almost, where like when you're 12 like the, the things that you loved when you're 12 are going to be the things you love for your entire life. Like maybe sure. the things you discover during that like critical time of becoming a new person, that's going to like, somehow it goes it through the cracks of your DNA and it just like lasts forever. Like
1: RoboCop <laughs> and Flash Gordon.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so like, as you were watching pro wrestling, were you actively extra- extracting those life lessons and deeper meaning And part two of the question is, do you wonder what comic book you would have written if you, like, got into something like America's Next Top Model or BattleBots or something?
2: (laughs) It's so funny because BattleBots for a long time came on right after AEW every Wednesday night (laughs) on uh, TBS and – we would, uh, when my friends would come over, we'd like, they'd stay for a while and watch BattleBots right after, but it never took. <laughs> it never caught on.
0: <laughs> they do seem like of a piece. They seem like a, a related genre for some reason.
2: For real. You know what? So with your first question, when I first was getting into pro wrestling, it was very late, uh, which I'm sure you guys know. But, uh, you know, I-, I totally missed all the cool wrestling stuff in the 90s when I would be like 12 or 13. Uh, I just was not allowed to watch it and didn't have the access to the television and cable and so on and pay-per-views. It just wouldn't, was not going to happen. My parents made sure of that. Love you, mom and dad, though. Uh, and it wasn't until, you know, yeah, like like, like in my letter, uh, I was a new parent watching pro wrestling. But at that point, to be totally honest, I was just kind of looking for something that I don't even know if that I was looking I. I just am constantly trying to keep my creative brain and my interested brain active. Uh, I really don't want to stop being intrigued in the world and the differences of the subgenres and the subcultures of so many different things that a human can be involved with in this day and age. I mean, with the internet and with the ac- ability to be access access so much stuff, I uh, it can be overwhelming and sometimes it can be unhealthy. But I find that. If I try and keep a curious mind, it can really help me creatively down the line. So it was more of a kind of wish to try and just experience new things. Um, So all that to say, I now have way too many hobbies, Uh, (laughs) but they do uh, help when it comes to trying to find new stories and new ways to tell them. So I wasn't necessarily thinking of story plots or how I could tie my own life into pro wrestling at the time. It was just something that I was so excited about. And the aesthetic and that excitement, you know, it is, I do try and treat it like I am a 12 year old. I try and enter into the the mind of a child and I try and treat those things kind of as like as if I were a kid and try and keep like a, oh gosh, there's that cliche quote about like if you have a... Oh, artists, like, keep, like, a, uh, a ki- childlike brain. I do feel like that's pretty true. It's, like, the learning to st- – the, the continuing to play even as you grow old. Um, I should definitely be good at that because I'm looking at, like, a stack of Transformers toys, mm-hmm. like, a foot away <laughs> right
0: now. <laughs> like, I relate so, so much to your story because I also grew up in a house where my media was constantly being monitored and and regulated and – and um
1: And you were prevented from seeing a lot of the cool things that the contemporary kids yeah, were I into, was... which is hence why we have a monkeys poster <laughs> on our wall.
0: Like I just have like <laughs> had like a completely separate childhood to all of the people who are like exactly my age, which is like Same. so bizarre. But I feel yep. like because of that, I see pop culture differently. Because of course the second I got out of the house, I was like So, you know, what is The Goonies about? (laughs) You know, like, and I feel like uh, it, like my, my, my filter is different. Like I like Mm. to, to brag to Brad. I was like, well, I can really judge the the pop culture of our youth because I have zero nostalgia about it
1: you know sure I'm seeing yeah. it with a
0: clear head she's but, pretty savage but like uh but but I think that there is also like I go like there is something in here I'm not supposed to see and what is that hidden I feel like I'm looking for like that hidden message that was supposed to like corrupt me do you, do you feel like your re- relationship to media growing up and and do you feel like you have a unique perspective because of how you were raised
2: I do I I think I didn't consider it to be unique until I started meeting more people in comics who were obviously very savvy in the w- world of pop culture and so on and so forth. I'll never forget the first time my friend Tyrell Cannon looked at me with disbelief uh, when he asked me, You've never seen Akira? <laughs> <laughs> and this was like 2012, 2013. Uh, it was not that long ago. You know, I was working in comics actively at the time, working on the Ghost Fleet, when... I was like starting to just be exposed to all this doing different things that I just, you know, you don't even know what to Google. Like there's no, there's no place to necessarily go. Like, here's the things you missed out because you were homeschooled in Massachusetts, you know? Uh, And so I've just found that it is pretty unique. And I still am finding myself having conversations with people to this day. Oh, Dan, you haven't seen that? Oh, wow. Crazy. How have you missed that? I was like, well, I was homeschooled, you know, And so on and so forth. But yeah, so pro wrestling is actually one of those things that, that falls into that category.
1: Isn't that so cool, though? You know, there's so much art out there in so many different mediums that, you know, I think about all the times that I have discovered something ancient you know like the blues or uh you know lisa introduced me to like mr rogers because i skipped all that stuff as a kid because he then, was because
0: sure. you were allowed to watch things that had boobs yeah, in them. And so stuff. i was
1: watching all the boobs instead of mr rogers <laughs> and then now here i am in my 30s watching mr rogers and going like this is some heavy stuff yeah dude you know, in your forward uh, to that first, or not forward, in your afterward to that first issue, talking about discovering pro wrestling in 2018, it's fascinating to me because when I think of you now, I think of you as like the ultimate fan of pro wrestling within comics. And, you know, in Beta Ray Bill, you look at those issues, you can see all the finishing moves that you put into that book. But it's so new to you, really. It is. And yet really you're kind is. of defined by it now. Or are you?
2: (laughs) Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm always looking for new ways to do the same thing uh, in comics because it's where I am. But, you know, one thing I found about superhero comics, which is where I started first incorporating wrestling, my love of wrestling, wasn't Beta Ray Bill. It's funny you bring it up. You know, I was not doing wrestling moves in Extremity or Murder Fowler or Wonder Woman, really. I just would have people punching and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh punching or kicking or you know, I I guess I just feel like it's very easy to do the same thing, especially in superhero comics. And there's these little things that are outside of superhero comics that can really spice up the kind of scene of I don't know, Beta Ray Bill in a bar fight. Mm-hmm. You know, I of course there's a million ways to do the same thing, but it's like another little piece of my personality that I'm able to put in to a scene to just kind of sprinkle some salt on there and uh it didn't really hit me until like gosh 20 early 2019 that I was like man pro wrestling moves could be really brutal if they actually were like done for real (laughs) and I saw that when I I do watch a fair amount of MMA too where there's not really a, a crossover with MMA and pro wrestling but You know, I remember the first time I saw a German suplex for real, like in an MMA match, and it was absolutely devastating. I was like, oh, my God, if this was actually real, this would like really hurt somebody. And I remember putting that into Beta Ray Bill being like, this is an actual move. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And now I've actually noticed it sometimes in movie fight scenes. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's a pro wrestling move they just did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think if anything, it's just kind of helped me. In, I'm going to say, not defined, but help me distinguish myself from the rest of the pack, Mm. I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's 100% true. Uh, But going back to the early days of Dua Powerbombs creation, uh, when it's starting to percolate in your brain, you know, the idea of the Death Life tournament, is that. You know when I read it as somebody who grew up on Bruce Lee, I see Inner the Dragon there. I, I, I've seen people bring mm. up Mortal Kombat as well, but Mortal Kombat is just Enter the Dragon. you know like <laughs> wh- where did the, the how did the Death Life tournament evolve? And then when did the stakes of the Death Life tournament come in?
2: Yeah, well, I okay, so uh, I was listening to an interview. Uh, So I had been into pro wrestling for a while and I was mostly into Japanese pro wrestling at the time, which my kind of like afterward of the first issue kind of states. But I had been watching tons of Japanese wrestling and then a bunch of wrestlers from this Japanese company that I watched broke off from Japan and they started their own company in uh, the States called AEW and they're owned and operated by Tony Khan. Who, uh, whose dad owns uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars and stuff like that. But you know, he's got a lot of money, and he started this new company with all these wrestlers that I love from Japan. So I started following American wrestling, and that kind of got me into the American side of wrestling, and I got into it even more. But I remember listening to an interview with Tony Khan where they had asked him, like, you know, how did you get into pro wrestling? And, of course, his story is way different than mine. He's a little older than me, but he was – super into the nineties, uh, pro wrestling and was into all of it. And he would, he didn't draw, but he would make, uh, pretend wrestling promotions, but then he would either make fake wrestlers or use wrestlers that he loved. And he'd do his own booking and storylines that he'd write in his notebook. And I thought, Oh, that's really cool. Like he kind of came up with his own logo and his own kind of vibe and like the storylines that was all kind of conceptual, in this book and i just thought how cool would it be and for me as an artist to come up with my own kind of pro wrestling company uh factions and storylines and i am literally that is literally what i do like i write and draw comics but like if i did that for a pro wrestling comic that would be really fun and thus the uh death life tournament was conceived in my head as a possible way for me to be able to be able to just make my own wrestlers and and have fun with the whole concept of pro wrestling in a way that might be really fun in comics. So that's kind of where it initially started. And then I was, like you said, immediately you go to the stakes. Who is it? What are they like? You know, like what characters are there? What's the storylines? And when I started, it was a husband and wife team that actually lost their child, which I did incorporate, uh, sorry for the XML spoilers <laughs> there into a power bomb, uh, but they don't take center stage. And, uh i found that it just the story for whatever reason wasn't working that way and then i started tackling it from the kid's perspective and what if the kid had lost a parent and then i was literally in the shower when i thought of what if her dad was accidentally killed her mom in the ring and that was you know like it just clicked and then uh Maybe a month later, I was like, oh, my gosh. What if her dad's a luchador and you can't see his face? Holy (laughs) shit. I wish I could say that I, like, I don't know. I feel like I didn't do this. I feel like the ideas just kind of came down. But the trick of it was I just, I didn't force it. This was all happening kind of in the late parts of Wonder Woman, Dead Earth, and uh, the beginning stages of Beta Ray Bill. I was just kind of actively thinking about it. Not even really putting anything down on paper, just getting these ideas and having them be solid enough to know that I had something to go and on. And do you
1: think that change from, you know, uh, uh, husband-wife to father-daughter occurred because of your own point of view as a parent?
2: You know, I don't think so. I think it was more, I it felt so, so weighty to, like, have a story where, you know, you, you lose a child And I, it just felt like not, it just, it, for whatever reason, it just didn't hit the right tone that I was trying to get. I mean, I feel like culturally, uh, a child losing their parent is just a little bit more, (laughs) I don't know how to say this without sounding like mean but like a little more easy to swallow yeah. like Mufasa did a number on all of us in a way that's like oh yeah exactly happens. Disney yeah. it's a Disney trope right yeah the D- Disney, Disney parent does. trope yeah it just kind of fits it just kind of helps everything like it just kind of smooths it over in a way because like I'm already reaching in a lot of ways with do a power bomb, but this is one way that I didn't want to have to fight anybody where it just kind of flowed with the story better and so I went for it. Just visually I was like, it just kind of clicked better. Um, just to think about big, small, like, you know, father, daughter instead of two adults, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally.
0: For me, like do a power bomb is all about like stakes and when, when we're when we're fully investing in something, do we actually understand like we state one thing to be the stakes, but do we actually understand what our stakes really are? And in issue one, right before her final match, Yua tells the audience that since she's become a mother, her relationship with wrestling has changed, and now she's fighting for her daughter and her family, but also her fans. And then um, Cobra Sun comes out as the heel and goes, like, that is ridiculous. Of course we are fighting for power and glory.
1: And that belt.
0: And that belt. And, um, and and like, I see them and they're kind of like both right, you know, Brad and I, we don't watch wrestling, but we watch a lot of competition cooking shows and, and, (laughs) uh, you know, and a lot of times like Gordon Ramsay is going, come on, who are you cooking for? I'm cooking for my daughter. And I'm like, really? There are so many other things you could do for your daughter. Like, just like, like that skeptical thing, like comes, comes out of me. And, um, and I, and I just wonder, like, you know, when you were setting up that contrast of can you really do this, do this for your family? Something that's so dangerous and so um, ridiculous, and also, is the glory and power of a belt is that even real? What were you thinking when you were setting up that contrast?
2: That's a great point, and it's something that I thought about oh. not at all. I was <laughs> <laughs> just like, I, I was literally, I was trying to put myself in the shoes of a wrestler where. For wrestlers, the wrestling ring, it is like, it just, it's, it's, in my opinion, it's an art form, but in a way that I feel like it kind of consumes uh, the people that are in it. And taking that kind of uh, dedication, and then having a child on top of it, you know, I can see someone doing all sorts of gymnastics in their head to say, I'm doing this for my kid as well and a part of me is like yeah maybe like you said lisa but also I, uh, you know after doing pro wrestling for so long it's like what else are they gonna do mm-hmm. and for a lot of wrestlers you know they're making money but they're they're wrestling in pain you know and there's like well it's either this or the you know a cashier at the grocery store you know it's like i haven't learned to do anything else in my life uh that's a little bit how I feel about comics, yeah. actually. Yeah,
0: because I, like I see that thing too, where like particularly like as artists, you know, we build this idea in our head of like of we feel like we're putting like our eggs in kind of a, a selfish basket. Like you go like, okay, if I continue doing this thing, doing what I love, I will finally get the recognition that I deserve, and then. When there are actual stakes, like you go like, why am I holding this silly basket? What was I thinking?
2: <laughs> totally. And on the other end of the spectrum with Cobra Sun saying those heelish things, you know, it's funny. I just really needed Cobra Sun to be a heel so that it would make sense of storyline why they wouldn't tell Lona about their, uh, you know, about what, what um, Cobra Sun actually did, what her dad actually does for a living. And it's funny. Like I came up with the look of Cobra sun before uh, I wrote that scene. And before I figured out like, Oh shoot. Like why wouldn't they tell Lona? Like the only way it would make sense is if there's, they're at opposite ends of the good and evil quote unquote uh, kind of end of the pro wrestling spectrum, like those two sides. So I didn't want to change the way this, the visuals looked because the whole thing now was hinging on him uh, not seeing his face and I had already come up with the way he wrestled. And you'll notice that. I mean, I'll, I'll explain to you the non pro wrestling watchers. When you see a heel in the ring, they are not usually not going to be doing these big flippy awe inspiring, like absolutely crazy dives because people cheer that they love that. It's like a bear. If it's a very kind of like, Oh my gosh, look at this guy putting his life on the line. This is so cool. And the crowd kind of gives themselves to that wrestler in a way that a heel would never do. Sometimes a heel will pretend to go up to the top rope and then just hop down and just do like some sort of simple elbow drop. You know, they won't like do any sort of flip because they don't want to give the audience that kind of positive back and forth. So I had to kind of like basically use comic book logic and hope that the actual pro wrestling fans would not call me out on it. You know,
1: uh, looking at do a power bomb, one of the things that I enjoy so much about it is the structure of the comic and actually the space you have to tell your story with seven issues. It allows you to do things that you can't really do in a five issue beta ray bill. Like you bring those stakes, those high stakes to not, if not all of the opponents, several of the opponent opponents and you you know, I think it's uh, issue four. You even devote to the Knights of Rhine and why they're in this match. And I- I'm, I'm curious as to what those, what fleshing
2: out their stories means for you. It was, it was mostly just really fun. Um, I found that you know, with a story like do a power bomb where the story really is about Lona and her dad and a relationship to each other and that tension and that growth and that rebuilding. That's what everybody is actually there for when it comes to reading, but the world outside of them in this tournament, it's like, because the wrestlers that you were talking about aren't taking center stage, I can kind of, Oh gosh, I don't have to like go deep. Like I, I, I am going deep, but I don't actually have to go deep with these side characters. It's enough to kind of throw out some details and some specific specifics to get the audience to understand that they're just not cardboard characters doing this like. But robot. you didn't have to do that um, at all, right? That's true. I guess no, I, I guess that's true I didn't, but I definitely I love in like fighting games and in movies, it's like when you get to know the other fighters and why they're there. And it's just so much fun. It, it's like adds so much stakes to a tournament style story. Uh, it just really, it just jazzes me out. I'm, I'm into it. Uh, and I wanted to make sure I didn't do a power yeah,
1: bomb. Yeah, I mean, like that's everything that I'm into as well. And I think what it also does is it sets up the subversion
2: of who wins the match or the Mm -hmm. tournament at the end. Yep. Yep. Totally. Totally. And with Knights of Rhine, uh, I actually had to come up with a reason in my head that I never actually explained in the book. You know, if uh, Necroton knows that they are uh, trying to resurrect his mortal enemy, why would he let them in the tournament? And, I finally, actually, it solved itself when in issue six, we have the <laughs> twist where, you know, spoilers yeah, we're warning, s- we're gonna, my friends we are full listening. Spoiler I, Dan, I cannot contain myself. We will prepare our listeners okay. in the introduction. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> cool. Uh, I, you know, when you have that twist, that big swerve, big swerve, big shooting for the star story, lo- story point of Necroton not actually being able to resurrect anyone correctly uh, it just that just fixed everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Going back to the idea of YuA and Jacob keeping his healness a secret, like and then him then maintaining that secret out of shame. like I think about how, um, you know, when t- when two people create a relationship, when they enter into a relationship, They create this like third identity that is them together. And the idea of like, like after Yua was gone, um, Jacob as an individual was kind of outvoted in sharing (laughs) with, sharing with Lana who he really was and, and, and the part he played in the death of her mother, because Yua didn't want to tell her, and them as a couple didn't want to tell her. And um, right. and and then like and then it just went on too long and it became too terrible to to tell her. And then later, him keeping her from following her passion because like because it's dangerous and that's how he lost his wife, you know, like
1: and he's still out there, and but he's, still he's her- doing types of matches that he never would have done in the past, smashing light tubes over people or having light but tubes smashed like, on him.
0: It brings up the question, like, what yep. is a dad's job? Mm. You know, because there's a certain point where, like, I think that it is a very responsible father thing to go, like, I'm sorry, <laughs> you cannot become a pro wrestler. But, like, w- like, <laughs> where where does that responsibility stop where you go, like, okay, you're going to do this dumb thing. And I have to let you follow your dream, you know?
2: Yeah, totally. It's a great question. And, you know, for me, it was a, a big part of this story is mm-hmm. the secret. And that shame of that knowledge. Like, I, you know, I loved your mom more than anything in the entire world. And I accidentally helped her lead to her death, you know. And it's this kind of... Uh, tragic just twist of fate that sends Jacob down this terrible road of just dishonesty and not wanting to burden Lona at the same time as also wanting to protect her because he's her dad. So a lot of things driving him, which make him actually a fairly complicated Mm -hmm. character, I hope. And, you know, it had to make sense that he didn't tell her. And because of that shame and because of like what he does for a living, I just it seemed to make sense and I, I really went for it and I did my very best to sell it and hopefully it yeah. works. It does work. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, like, awesome. okay,
1: because cool. for me,
0: their relationship is all about like establishing this trust after yes. the truth comes out and the 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 ongoing betrayal is revealed. And how now them as father and daughter have to create their own third identity that is son and steel.
1: And the gift of that reveal being like, she sort of immediately sees everything that he has gone through in that time. Well, yep. like,
0: so like, to me, I feel like that was like foreshadowed in, um, in Lana's compassion after um, defeating oh, Orangabang, orang-a-bang. Mm. and um, yeah. seeing that she has a deep empathy for anybody who has lost a thing, mm. you know? And then yeah. the, just knowing that her father, she, she goes, Oh, you can do terrible things when you've lost a thing, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's actually, I'm glad you brought that up because it's a big moment for Lona to, as soon as he comes clean, or rather, she yeah. sees her dad after that shock is uh, kind of worn off. She's just like, why did you hang on to this for so long? Like, I get it. Like, I I get you and I I don't blame you. She's basically what she says when she wakes up after getting that light tube smashed over her head and they lose. And she says, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have been okay with this, but I would have understood... You went too long without telling me. And then there's that added kind of sadness of that realization like, you know, the daughter that I raised is actually so much wiser than I ever gave her credit for.
0: But then, like, leading up to them doing that finishing move and how, like, yeah. the ability to accomplish a, fini- a finishing move is this act of like profound and selfless trust. And, like, yes. to me, now that. That act of profound and selfless trust is now reflected back from my heart onto pro wrestling (laughs) and seeing pro wrestling as, oh my God, this is how these people hug each other, you know, and express like, I trust you completely with, with my literal life, you know, I don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean, a big part of wrestling storylines, you know, especially tag team storylines is trust and is, um, you know, the ability to kind of place one's fate in another's hands. But it goes deeper than that. Yes. It's kind of the whole meta context of pro wrestling. When you see wrestlers doing like a pile driver or, uh, you know, a Falcon Arrow or whatever the move is, you know, the wrestler taking the bump they are putting their life in the hands of another person. You know, it's like a, it's like pro wrestling's is like one trust fall mm-hmm. after another. It, it's, uh, really intense. And I going back to that finishing move, I'm really glad you noticed that because that was the main, one of the biggest, that's why there's, it's a double page spread, which it's the, it's one of there's three double page spreads in the book. The one showing the ring in issue one, when necroton first shows lona the whole uh tournament then there's the uh i don't really count this because it's more like a informational but oh like yeah the, all the tag teams lined up in issue three and then uh lona hitting the Lona and her dad hitting that finishing move. Oh wait, there's never mind. Don't listen to me about these old page spreads. I throw them in all the time. I wanted it to okay, be a I big move. That,
1: I, I believe there's a few of them.
2: <laughs> there's quite a few. Yes, of them. no No. 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 Sorry. Yeah. 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 Oh my god. I can't even remember my own damn book. Uh, but the whole kind of arc of Lona and her dad uh, ends with that moment. They hit that move, and that is what they wanted to do. That is, not. That is by them hitting that move, they have come to a place of peace in their relationship. They're now together. Uh, and throughout the entire story, as they're learning to work together and they're trying to hit the finishing move and they're trying to hit the finishing move and then it gets interrupted and then they hit it against God. At that point, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if they win because they've already won because they've figured out how to be together again.
0: I totally want to get into God. And the, like, you know, uh, that's all I ever actually want to talk <laughs> about <laughs> deep down inside. Sure, sure. But before I get to that, I just want to um, go back to like the finishing move and the meaning of a finishing move really gets me thinking about the difference between stakes and consequences. And like, I, th- I think that of you as death in, in, um, in issue one, like that was a consequence. Like so, sometimes, sometimes the, the choices that you make end up with a consequence, but that wasn't actually what was at stake. Like what was at stake was her daughter seeing her as a person who's living with passion and doing exactly what she wants and doing it with love and like, and I think about like you know um, Frank says it it in um, in the in the bar when he's making fun of making fun of Sun and Steel saying like oh well on Earth like yeah. there's no stakes in wrestling it's all fake <laughs> because it's all yeah. fake yeah. and like and I w- I would argue that the stakes are actually so much bigger they're so much bigger than actually who wins or actually how how real. How "quote unquote" real or fake wrestling is, the the stakes are something um, enormous.
2: I totally agree. I couldn't have said it better myself. I think you. I did. think you did say it. That's <laughs> I think what you I'm did saying. Say it better. I think you said it better. <laughs> That's like the end of the
1: book. I I don't want to jump right to that ending, but like.
0: But that is what you told me sure. with your book. Is what I'm saying. So.
2: <laughs> right on. So, I love that.
0: Like so, now we're, we're gonna get to God. And so when did you know that Lana and Jacob would have to take their fight to God?
2: From the very beginning. Yes. Okay. On the very beginning. I got to say,
1: when I was reading this comic, like one of the, the joys of reading Do a Power Bomb is like every two issues, there's like a, oh, what? <laughs> like, like yeah and, totally. and you know, we would see each other throughout the year and we would get to one of those Whoa, what issues and you'd be like what do you think of that issue and i was like oh what word and then we get to issue 6 and we get to the double page splash where we see god i was like yeah word <laughs> <laughs> like it was a totally different reaction and i was so unsure and even reading sure. issue seven, I was way unsure until the last two pages. Oh my
0: goodness. And I was
1: like, oh, dude, never doubt.
0: Yeah. So did you, but did, I mean, did you <laughs> feel any trepidation? Was it scary? Like what? Cause it's a kind of insane finishing move in and of itself.
2: It is. It is. It's absolutely insane. So I feel like I took, Two huge swings would do a power bomb. One was that Necrotons actually didn't have the power that year to resurrect anybody mm-hmm. from the dead, um, and two that they were going to go fight God. So, and it's that happens in the same yeah. like f- within five pages of each other. Um, things just go crazy in issue six, and I I was worried about it. I did have some people close to me reading the scripts as i would write them and they also knew the whole story as well and these are friends that you know don't even necessarily read comics but when i would tell them the story and and how i was going to end it i knew that i had something special and i was like well if these uh people who don't read comics can appreciate how i'm saying how i'm telling the story like campfire style then i know i can get it in a Mm. comic book. Uh, But then when it's actually coming down to brass tacks and you're drawing it and you're like, well, this is going to go to print in like six weeks. I wonder what (laughs) people will think. Uh, It does make you second guess yourself. And that's the kind of thing with issue seven where, you know, uh, like you said, Brad, like the whole issue, the whole story rests on those last two, three pages where, you know, it's like almost like, You've been in this, like, crazy, uh, uh, you know, oh, shoot, like, the ocean, like, like like the waves of the ocean, and all of a sudden the tide goes out really fast, and you get to see what was underneath the whole time, and you're like, I get it now. Uh, that was the goal, and it was always my intention to have a moment where there is a sense of, uh, well, gosh, this sounds very, like, I, I was not this confident the whole time, but I was shooting for Transcendence by the end of yeah. that last page. And, uh, you know, I I just, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I, I, when it actually came time to write issue seven, I was a little stuck because I was like, wait, how do I do this? How am I going to actually end this? Like, it, I did not have the idea of you, uh, being in the stands watching her daughter as she loses. That was not that wasn't in the beginning concept. it was the it I, I think when I first came up with the story, you she, God was gonna be so impressed with Lona's performance that they got a day mm-hmm. with her. But narratively it just didn't work and the timing and it was just too it just didn't work it's nothing you know as I was saying it out loud, Cause I would like tell people this like elevator pitch and I'd be telling my friends this story and they'd be super into it. And then they're like, so how does it end? Does, do they get her mom back? And I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> I think maybe they like hang out with her in a garden for a day or something. Like it was something bad. <laughs> uh, and I knew I, but I knew from the very beginning for sure that she was not going to get resurrected and that they were going to lose. Uh, but I didn't know how, and I didn't know how exactly how I was going to end it. But I knew my goal, and I was on the plane. I think I was flying back from San mm. Diego. Uh, I was writing issue seven, and it just hit me like a bucket of bricks. I just, it it was another one of those moments where I just felt like a gift from somewhere else. I just was writing it, and I was, like, stuck on those last you know those last ten pages of *Do a Powerbomb* issue seven were the last five pages, I should say. I, they, I was working on them for like three months. I just, I'd like write a little bit, a few thoughts, and then I'd be like, "Nope, that's not right," and I'd walk away for weeks. And I think about it, and I'd be drawing the previous issues, and I'm like, "Oh, we're getting down to, you know, getting down to, uh, crunch time here. Should probably try and do it again and I'd work on it a little bit." And I was like, "No, that's not right." and then when i settled on that final image i knew that i had something special when i make myself cry on a plane by myself then i know i've been Aww. old oh, yeah. like
0: to me it like the ending of the story it just makes it, it's so it's so soul satisfying to me it just like makes such perfect sense that god loves the ones who know that they're going to lose and fight anyway like to me like that isn't that what we're doing on this planet? Like we're all fighting to live knowing that eventually we're going to die. And, and, um and
1: it's the story we leave behind.
0: Yeah. And, and that it's the story, story we leave behind. Like the, the idea of going uh, of God going like, you wanted this thing, you wanted this impossible thing. You wanted your mother back, right? You wanted, you wanted yep. to have the, the family that you anticipated having. And I can't give you that, but I can give you this thing that when you had it, you didn't even know it was special. You didn't even know it was right. forever. Like, I just, it, it, I just love that.
2: Thank you very much. I was also i I am really happy with how I got this kind of wistfulness, in my opinion, into the last bit of the book. With we all kind of hope. I mean, the the last few pages of the book is definitely playing on that. We all hope that our loved ones are looking mm-hmm. down on us, um, and this is just kind of a literal representation of that in the sense that it's something that we all hope for, really, really deep down, and. It's not something that, at least while on this earth, we're never really going to know if it is actually that's the truth or not. Um, And Lona doesn't. Lona and Jacob, they don't get to know. You know, they're facing away from her. They don't see her. Uh, The camera cuts away. It's uh, they never get that 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 knowledge. But we, the readers, are we get to see that. And, you know, that's I don't know what that is, but uh, I'm like, yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's nailed poetry it like stuck that, that yeah. landing
0: well, and, and also like to me like using god in this context in in the context of pro wrestling
1: at boss levels and and and,
0: and
2: um <laughs> yeah. but
0: the idea of like is wrestling real or is wrestling fake you know it goes yep. back to the idea of going like well if does it does it matter if god is real or fake as long as the story gives meaning to your life gives meaning to your life i'm not articulating it perfectly but like does it actually does it actually matter if god is real
1: and like, if, what is real? Is it everything real? Like, like,
0: it doesn't matter if God is real. It doesn't matter if your self perception is real. Does it matter if we're all actually some kind of simulation or whatever? If <laughs> if we if we are living our lives with passion and with the context of like we matter, like living your life like you matter.
2: You know, uh, when I was shopping, do a power bomb. Our round to hollywood uh oh, man you know i kind i had not finished the script of issues six and seven yet uh and you know i'm talking to all these producers who are very well established who are like yes yeah, so uh it says here in your notes that they uh wrestle god here <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like yep and so i had to basically like prove that you know this ending works with like had like I had written like half a paragraph you know of me like trying to I hadn't exactly figured out how it was gonna work and I I was telling them you know ultimately it's a story about a daughter and her father coming back together and and learning how to live with each other and how to rebuild with the knowledge that even though they do lose there is beauty in the struggle yeah. uh and and that was kind of how i framed it you know which is a very old and well well explored uh topic in media and entertainment but i one thing i love about comics is um it allows for a individual voice to shine through in a way that can shine new light on a concept that maybe we think we know yeah, already yeah
1: and we have not seen uh, a god wrestling match <laughs> That's I am true. curious, just like when it comes to executing the introduction of God and designing God, how do you land on the God that we get and do a power bomb?
2: Have you have either of you read Last Man? Uh, Not no, the, the, the manga. Man, or just... no,
1: well, it's like a French manga. Yeah, I, yep. I've read the first volume. Thanks, to Skybound, and I'm eager to, for the okay. new editions.
2: Well, I can't talk about it then because it's too good of a story for me to okay. ruin this to okay. help explain it. All right, interesting. Okay, it was very important to me that God not uh, be genderless, uh, and you not really know which way they might be. So you'll notice that God is always referred mm-hmm. to yep. as they, um, and uh, I, it, I just the you know what the metal face I just ripped from uh, Kingdom of heaven I just <laughs> like straight this is straight rip from the the, the yes. king that um is yeah, has leprosy. Yeah. Edward Norton plays that I was king, like that I movie know. is a yeah. pain in yeah. the ass to watch but holy cow I I, <laughs> I, I I I remember watching it like I watched it like this is before I designed God this is maybe a year and a half ago and I was like kingdom of heaven you know what I watched that a long time ago and it sucked, but I've grown as a person. I bet it's better now. And I sweat through that three and a half hour <laughs> well, slog. The extended like, cut. <laughs> yeah, I did. Cause it's the only one that you can rent on Amazon. And I'm like, Oh my God, when is this going to be over? But I saw that mask and I was like, there's my People God. People
1: love that movie, especially the director's <laughs> cut. But uh, I saw the theatrical originally was not into it. And then they just gave me a three and a half hour version of that and I was way not into it. I respect those that enjoy it, not my bag.
2: Totally. There are some scenes in there yeah. that I really like, but as a whole, it's like it's kinda of, kinda of makes me think of like watching current uh, streaming television. You know, like there's like five amazing scenes and like thirteen hours of content. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Sorry, uh, That's my com- my un my unwanted commentary on uh, the current state this, of media right now. This is right your platform, to, my friends.
0: Say whatever you want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh,
2: but yeah, I as a uh, that was the inspiration for that for sure. Dan, is there anything that we have not covered in Do a power bomb that needs some attention? I guess one thing I'd like to say. I know. N- wrestlers are not necessarily, necessarily hearing this but i i've i feel i, I do want to <laughs> i do feel bad about one story note that i just wanted to highlight and just let people know that it's something i was thinking about and i used deathmatch wrestling in issue 2 as a way to kind of highlight the negativity mm-hmm. surrounding uh, um oh gosh the name of my character cobra Sun and jacob and i found after kind of just being in wrestling that much more, I found that deathmatch wrestling is not. It's not. I think there, there is definitely it's dangerous and it's it's intense and and there's an element of it that I don't really understand. I'm not a huge deathmatch wrestling fan, uh, but I do respect it way more, and I don't think it's this like negative thing that uh, I kind of portrayed it to be in the uh in the book and i kind of hope that maybe i celebrated that i i kind of changed my tone about it mid mid series when they have the deathmatch wrestling when they do yeah, the deathmatch i was going to say in yeah in issue 6 yes when uh cobra son you know you know wear your blood like a badge of honor and uh you know i just I don't necessarily have an answer. I'm not necessarily apologizing for anything. I just it's something that was in the back of my head that I, wanted uh, I to. I mean,
1: one personally I feel like you sell all that by that six issue. Um and like and, and i think you understand, like when you get done with the comic and you reread it, especially, I don't come away from that like feeling any kind of negativity towards deathmatch wrestling. And also like the deathmatch wrestling scene that's in issue, it's two, right? Yeah, that's in issue two. Is executed in such a badass way, anyway, that <laughs> yeah. I think if you were a fan right. of deathmatch wrestling, you'd come away feeling pretty good about it.
0: There, like, there is something complicated and blurry about pro wrestling when they're doing things like blading and stuff like that, where yep. the injuries are real, you know? Like, there is, like, like a, as I know a, that As a,
1: a super non-violent person, I like, Lisa. Yeah,
0: I, I am not an MMA person. I'm also not a boxing person. Like, I, I don't think that sure. it's a game to hit someone until they can't stand up. Of like, oh, I win. You know what I mean? Sure. I find it really, you know.
1: <laughs> disturbing. D-
0: disturbing. Um, but sure. like, I, I, I do see like how, how that could be from the outside scene as, well, really you've sold yourself out as a, a pro wrestler, mm. if you are having to stoop to being injured. But like this, like do a power bomb reading, do a power bomb has really um, altered a lot of my misconceptions about what pro wrestling could do and mean, because I am a person who believes passionately that all stories have value and meaning and um, and that it's it's important to ever for ev- it is important for a large arena of people to practice all having the same feelings at the same time. I feel like that's really important as human beings for us to all stand in a place and go like, look at how we're the same, all of us here, yelling and shouting at the same time. I think it's important.
2: Totally, and I couldn't have said it better myself. And that's something that. This may be very lofty, but um, I – oh, gosh. No, this is safe this, space. Well, Guess what?
0: what? My yeah, mom yeah. listened to one episode of this podcast and called me upset saying, Lisa, you are not wise. So <laughs> my, my mother may disapprove, but this is a safe space.
2: Okay. Uh, well, I um, – it's I think it's fair to say whether I achieve it or not that one of my goals in making comics is to foster some sort of community uh, it's important to me I don't know what that necessarily looks like but I know I know that's something I want to do and I maybe it's something that only happens at signings or at shows but you know it's very important it's just, I want my work to celebrate, like you said, Lisa, like the, it is different. And there's a, there's an element of inclusion that I'd like my stories to have. Um, actually, hold on. I'm gonna, is it okay if I read you my artist statement? Yes, college? yes, this is, yes, this is the place for it. Okay, so this is sums up it's a little cheesy so am i um yeah and also it was like college dan that was like very rah-rah <laughs> so um i did a for my senior seminar project because i was an art student in college uh, i did a narrative piece that was 15 feet wide and about a foot and a half tall uh inspired by uh the chinese uh scroll Uh, I don't know if it's ink or paint, sorry, but it's a life along the river on the eve of the Qingming Festival, and that's like a long scroll, and it's like way longer than it is wide, like long, 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 and it's all in kind of the isometric perspective, so it doesn't, nothing ever really recedes into the background, you know, you just follow along and you look at this entire scene of this town celebrating, and so I kind of use that as an inspiration to kind of tell a narrative story from left to right about my college experience and uh you'd start on the left side of the drawing and it was watercolored, and you'd walk 15 feet and kind of just i'd just be like this is what happened to me in college you know just a a lot of different elements uh visually kind of mashed together and me and like student teaching and i worked a lot with the homeless when i was in college and then i remember going through a lot of stuff in college and like there's a drawing of me like uh sleeping in a sleeping bag on my gibson Mm -hmm. sg my guitar (laughs) shit like that anyway right next to it was my artist statement and so uh okay well comic book couples counseling here we go uh i want to create stories and images that i can be proud of i want my work to make you reflect on the way you treat others and remind you that there's still something worthwhile even in the difficult dirty or mundane parts of life I want to create work that shows you a reflection of my experiences with the people I love, which can only happen when I interact with the world on a daily basis. These interactions and this lifestyle are what make me the artist I am today.
1: Mm. Dan, that's beautiful.
0: I love that Proto Dan like actually was like an established human being where like if I was a voice major... And I was never once asked to make any kind of artist statement of how I wanted to present myself as a vocal artist in the world, but I'm pretty sure, sure. I, I, it was, it would be, please like me, please, please. And it <laughs> like me one, two, you have to find me pretty. Like th- that would be my, <laughs> that would be my artist statement. Ah, that was too good. I right? think
1: Proto Dan would be very happy of uh, contemporary Dan.
0: Yeah, I think he'd be pretty pleased.
2: I got that email today I'm, I'm working on an art book uh, with a publisher and I asked my old painting professor to write the intro and he was very hesitant because he's like I am not I don't know anything about comics. I don't know anything about your world. you know I know you and I was like that's perfect. that's all I want. I don't want another comic book person talking about me a comic book person. I want my old paint my old painting professor who knows me as the kid that was obsessed with zombies (laughs) and drew that really long drawing for senior sem, And we still hang out to this day. You know, I I want that. I want that perspective. And uh, he, I did. I totally forgot that I wrote that. He sent me that today. It's part of his intro is part of his forward to my book. And I was like, that's not, that's not too, too bad. It's
1: perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing it with us. Of course. So, Dan, transitioning to some questions that we have here for you. We uh, asked our – well, we told our patrons that you would be coming on the podcast, and we wanted to give them, like, a little special little section, like an extended cut of this interview. This is
2: exclusive
1: content. And we said, (laughs) you know, this is your opportunity to ask Daniel Warren Johnson a question – Give us what you got. And so we have eight questions here from eight of our patrons. And if you could indulge us and them, I'll go ahead and read those off.
2: I am ready. Let's do it. So
1: the first question comes from Anthony Latch. He says, if you were forced to do a follow up to do a power bomb and you had to hire another artist since you were too busy drawing more Murder Falcon, who would you love to see draw these characters?
2: Ooh, great question.
0: Uh, 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 this is exclusive Patreon content, uh, and you're just going to have to give
1: us a dollar. One dollar, yes. Just one. This is an advertisement for what we're doing at the Comic Book Couples Counseling Patreon feed. Uh, the extended cut of our Daniel Warren Johnson conversation is like 20 minutes longer. Our patrons really brought it with those questions, and then Dan... Just delivered wholeheartedly with his answers. There's so much extra stuff waiting for you in our Patreon feed. It is only a dollar a month. For that, not only will you get an extended interview with Daniel Warren Johnson, but you will get 60 episodes on Sandman, the Neil Gaiman Epic. We are breaking that series down one issue at a time, one episode at a time, as first time readers. We also review movies like Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and Cocaine Bear, and there's just like a lot of extra content. So $1 a month, come on, you wanna join.
0: And if you're like, no thanks, I'm sticking to the free feed, that's okay, that's fine. Uh, Back to Daniel Warren
1: Johnson oh i I love it i love it Dan. thank you so much for hanging out with us today talking do a power bomb we're super excited for the trade paperback to hit shelves and more people to discover this comic book um you know we love to give words of affirmation i know you know this already but the comic meant a lot to lisa and myself as all your comics do you know we get to the end of each one of your books and I don't think we've read one yet where we weren't crying.
0: Yeah. And, 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 and it didn't. <laughs> That's not a lie. Like it gives us vocabulary to, to talk about the big things, yeah. which is what we really love to talk about.
2: I remember you saying that same thing when we were talking about uh, yep. Beta Ray Bill. And it means just as much to me now as it did it's then. It's super Thanks, true. Guys. Uh, Dan, now for our listeners who want to
1: uh Join your community of good vibes. Uh,
2: Where can they find (laughs) you online? So if you just Google my full name, Daniel Warren Johnson, you will find me. Uh, One thing I would like to specifically highlight is I do have a YouTube channel that I don't really put a lot of videos up. But every week I go live uh, and I just draw. It's very chill. I promise not to ask you to subscribe to my channel. Uh, it's just a chill hangout I, I don't ask it I don't answer a ton of questions I don't even talk that much I mostly just draw so uh, if you if that sounds like a relaxing time which hopefully it does come on by I go live every Friday afternoon It's Maybe big ASMR
0: there. vibes like so if if you get like I get the, <laughs> the tingly scalp watch watching your videos it's very satisfying
2: that's what you know a lot of people have told me that and I've actually I've had a lot of like artists say like i actually like put on your uh I, I put it on when i draw and it's just like it's just really peaceful and calming and and i didn't think that that would be the case you know i i was just trying to i just really felt like having a youtube presence was important as yeah. like a visual artist i was like I have, <laughs> i'm visual this this is good idea um i was trying to do my due diligence but honestly it's turned into something that's really positive and I'm really glad I did it, and it's a great way to just, you know, I did it when the pandemic was at its, like, absolute ragiest to help me connect with people and have something to do on a Friday night, and it's turned into so much more than that. So Yeah, or yeah. we
1: both subscribe, we both love the, the, the YouTube, but I gotta say, like, I'm missing the last commentary track on Beta Ray Bill yeah. at issue 5, I don't think he ever did one.
2: I know, these commentaries. Oh my gosh, finding a spare night in my night is so hard. Uh, but, As uh,
1: podcasters who spend do my... uh, hours it... upon hours putting an episode together, it's hard to do.
0: And show business, leave them watching more. Yeah. So so uh, maybe it's a tactic.
1: <laughs> I but I want it. We
2: do. I, I, uh, I, I do have a uh, podcast Ooh. idea of my own. Uh, Daniel Warren Johnson walks and talks With other creatives So it, He'd have to be in person with me But we, the idea is that I need to get my oh. steps in every day To keep <laughs> myself healthy So I want to get two birds in with one stone I don't have the time to sit down every night Or you know, even a few nights a week And do a podcast But I do have time to go on a walk with someone
0: That's so cute I I am a little threatened <laughs> that you're coming into our lane Um <laughs> But I'm gonna try to be really cool about it and supportive.
2: What's... <laughs> don't don't worry because uh, I'm. It's gonna be one of those things where I like talk a big talk, and then like one episode <laughs> comes out a year. And
1: we're <laughs> we're gonna subscribe. Yes, yes, and Lisa Rising Tide with right all ships.
0: Yeah, that's what Brad says. I, I'm the heel of this relationship. <laughs> <She is. laughs> uh,
2: Dan,
1: thank you again. This has been really wonderful.
2: You are very welcome. I'm happy to come on anytime. Thank you again for all the love and support for Do a Powerbomb. Seriously, amazing. It's our thanks pleasure. so much.
1: In addition to being one of the great living comic book cartoonists, Dan also happens to be maybe the nicest guy in comics.
0: Yeah, and he does not have to be. No. He's the kind of brilliant where he could be a jerk and we would be like still a fan. Yeah, but yeah. no, he's throwing that, that kindness and sweetness and thoughtfulness in for free. Yeah. And we thank him it's for it. It's
1: really beautiful and super appreciated and... We're, you know, we're just so thankful that he agreed to come on the show. And then he has to say nice and sweet things like that. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. I could start crying on this podcast.
0: I've been thinking a lot about his artist statement. Mm, and the yeah. idea of having like this like clear statement of this is my priority as an artist. These are my principles. And anything that deviates from that is not going to feel true to me. Yeah. I feel like I want to like focus on creating my own like artist statement. Yeah.
1: It's such a student thing to do at the same time. It's maybe something that we should actually do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not silly in any way. And the way that he presented it there, I mean, it's, it's inspiring. Right. Uh, and uh, I like that idea, Lisa, maybe we should both do our own artist statements. Yeah, uh, I think it would be good to do like a comic book couples counseling podcast statement. Like what, is it that we're trying to do with this show here? I think it could be really beneficial to do that, to put it into like one succinct you know, paragraph.
0: Well, I think one of them would be definitely, we are here to celebrate comics as a medium. Yes. And the idea that there is a comic for everyone. Yes. And we want comic book couples counseling and any kind of work we put out in the world to be inviting and inclusive.
1: We want to be a showcase for celebration. We want to curate kindness and positivity. That's that's our goal, and, and, and yeah, we're working and, on it. And
0: creating a, a platform to talk about art and the way that art comments on our very existence on this planet.
1: Yeah, and how, yeah, we find ourselves in these comics. Ultimately, that's what engaging with art is all about. So uh, yeah, something to think about there, Lisa. I also really appreciated his point of view regarding how much art is left in him Mm -hmm. and the concern that he has with bringing everything of himself to the table every time. And also recognizing that not every work you produce can be representative of that human totality Mm -hmm. and the worry about putting out something that just like does not work for him at all, you know, to sell out uh, to use that overtired phrase.
0: Right. Yeah. I like to me, I don't think that there is such thing as selling out unless you are actually, um, Undermining your own principles, like really putting out something you're like, well, I don't believe in this. Like, I do believe that, like, you know, everybody has a bad day at work. Like there's it's impossible if you're putting art out consistently that some of it is just not not going to be not everything to be
1: yeah like an A plus or whatever rating system you use.
0: But I also think that like creatively, you do need that time to live your life and refill your well and
1: you know there is this idea that he speaks to about you know there's a time limit on what he can produce mm-hmm. you know he is one life and he, he is one healthy unit and that could deteriorate you know that will I,
0: inevitably w- deteriorate absolutely
1: and, and so you know that's the, you know that that's what's exciting about being a creator and or even examining and experiencing a creator. Yeah, is that timetable. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think there are many more great comics ahead of us from Daniel Warren Johnson. I'm super excited to hear what the next one's going to be. I'm really anticipating that uh announcement, hopefully at some point in 2023. Whatever it is, it's a good bet that it's gonna end up being our favorite comic of 2023 because that's what has happened over the last several years since we've been doing comic book couples counseling.
0: And hopefully we can have Dan back on to talk about whatever that thing is. Well,
1: we can guarantee that he will be back pretty darn soon Mm. in our Patreon feed. This is a tease, another tease, of something special coming from Daniel Warren Johnson In partnering with Comic Book Couples Counseling, we're going to launch a new podcast series that I'm very excited about. Don't want to say what it is just yet until we have that conversation uh, uh, on mic, but it's going to be major. It's going to be major.
0: Well, what can we announce, Brad?
1: (laughs) We can announce that our next episode is going to be a mini episode. Robert Kirkman is guesting on the podcast to help us program our next couple session series, which will be with Eve and Mark from Invincible. Invincible is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. It's a couple that we have a lot to say about, but... Also, a couple that's kind of difficult to program within four episodes. Like, which story arcs from Invincible do you pick to cover the totality of their relationship? That's a tall order, and we didn't want to make that choice. We didn't want to make that decision. So we asked Robert Kirkman to program our couple session series, and he does so. And the way he goes about it is not what I was anticipating, and now I'm even more excited about that four episode podcast series on Invincible covering Mark and Eve.
0: Also, don't forget our Lone Wolf and Cub Sword of Vengeance screening is happening at the Alamo Draft House, Winchester, Virginia on March 12th at 4pm. It is co-sponsored with the Eisner-nominated comic book shop Four Color Fantasies. Don't bring your children, it is rated R.
1: (laughs) Super rated R. Yeah, Eric from Four Color Fantasies will be there again like he was with our Howard the Duck screening with some comics to sell. We'll be doing trivia, we'll be giving away some prizes. We're gonna be giving away at least the first omnibus of the Lone Wolf and Cub manga, which is a masterpiece. The adaptation is real darn good. Very excited for that episode. Yeah, March 12th, going to be a big day. That's also when the Academy Awards happen, Lisa. You know I'm a mark for the Oscars, but I think we'll be able to get home in time. It's at 4 o'clock. We should be out around 6.30. Race home. (laughs) We'll catch maybe the end of the red carpet and then the beginning of the Academy Awards. And, you know, I can't help but be excited because everything, everywhere, all at once, the greatest comic book movie Of the year that's actually not based on a comic book will hopefully take home best picture.
0: My entire life philosophy encapsulated in one movie. Yeah, I believe in the multiverse.
1: Yes, 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 yes. So, uh, super excited.
0: Okay, Brad. Yeah, yeah. So.
1: Yeah.
0: Our tandem move. Uh Uh-huh. Here's what it's going to be. Okay. Um... You you grab his head. I haven't planned anything to say. (laughs) You grab his head. Uh I'm going to grab his feet. Uh You're going to talk into his head like it's a microphone. And then I'm going to throw his feet over the ropes.
1: And it's called the mic drop.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, where can our listeners send the words of affirmation to you? Uh,
1: You can find me on all social medias at MouthDork. If you have words of affirmation for our logo, you can send them to Aaron Prescott at A Cool Hand Fluke. And if you have some words of affirmation for our radical banner art and show poster, send them to Karen Charm at Karen underscore X-Men Fan. Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you?
0: I am always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to spend more quality time with us, you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to get exclusive, you can join our Patreon, where you'll get more Daniel Warren Johnson and bonus content, including weekly episodes. Yes,
1: please. If you'd like to reach out and touch us electronically, you can email the podcast, cbccpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, comicbookcouplescounseling.com, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Hive Social at... CBCC podcast. You
0: can give us the gift of five stars in Apple Podcasts, and if you'd like to do an act of service, why not write a review of the show while you're there? We are fluent and receptive in all five love languages. It really warms our hearts. I'll see you at Emerald City Comic Con, yeah. and helps the pod. Yes,
1: please. So until next time, friends, keep your love tank full
0: and your psychic rapport open. Mic drop. Dooby dooby.
1: Can we do that last bit as if we were Randy Macho Man Savage?
0: You know I've tried that before, and I can't do the voice.
1: (laughs) Here we go. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So until next time, friends, keep your love tank full. And your psychic replies. (laughs) You can't do it. it. And And snap into a Slim Jim. Open. Bone saw is ready.
2: Yeah.